And we're back. Welcome back to another Practice Makes Perfect podcast episode. We bringing you guys that live and direct episode every single week. And this episode here is a special one because guess what? It's the last one of the year. We started this a couple months back. John Rush, myself, DJ, kind of kicked this thing off with the goal and the mission to provide you guys with esports news, content coverage, and hopefully some features with industry professionals, veterans, and a little bit of everything in between. And uh, this week is no different. We do have a guest. Before we get there, though, let's go ahead and welcome on, of course, the man who's on the switches, as usual, on these Sundays. It's my boy, John Rush. What's up, brother? What's up, everybody? Um, You know, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, or whatever you celebrate. I hope the new 2023 does something good for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And of course, guys, if you are tuning in from home, downloading this bad boy, listening in the future, we thank you guys. Don't forget to leave a review, uh, a comment, all that good stuff that you can do on your uh, download avenues. It does a, a support the podcast. And of course, we want to we want to set ourselves up for successful 2023. But let's start getting into our featured guest. We have a special one here. It's my boy, Connor. Connor and I go way back. We're talking 10 plus years. This is someone who uh, originally found me on Twitch and we sparked up a, a controversy. One might say I was his uh, internet dad for many, many years. And now uh, we've grown to become very good friends and co-operate and run, of course, our successful business, the practice server. So he's gotten all types of professional insight, not only from the player side, but now on the other side of the fence of being uh, business owners himself. So Connor, my boy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks guys. It's uh kind of long overdue. So glad to get this off for the end of the year. Uh, as John said, happy holidays to everyone. Happy new year. Uh, we go way back doing this thing. Yes, We've been sir. friends for years, so it's good to kick this one off. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And again, we do these live on Twitch. Someone in our chat is actually talking about we don't look like we've been doing it for 10 years, but it is an actual fact. I probably knew Connor when he was about 14. He is now a young 24-year-old man here. Uh, He had a squeaky voice. He was a rager (laughs) kid, and I loved it. It was hilarious playing with this dude, and it's just wild, again, how the years developed. He grew up, and next thing you know... um, Obviously, we had a friendship, and I and I trusted him, and we just we just started going, going, and going, and we're gonna we're gonna jump into all that, and we're gonna start the episode with Connor, a little bit of background about him, maybe what uh, uh, his new roles are within our ecosystem of production and all that good stuff. We're just gonna dive into Connor a little bit uh, before we start getting into the other fun topics, because John, we have a whole bunch of stuff a lot to talk about today, a lot. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So with that, um, Colin, let's start with you, bro. Uh, h- how old are you? Where are you from? Just give us a little bit of a, a brief bio. If you had an elevator pitch, maybe <laughs> 60 seconds, maybe two minutes. Uh, who is Connor? Where's Connor from? How old are you? All that good stuff. Yeah, well, uh, 23 years old. Been playing games my whole life. I'm originally from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But uh, up like around four months ago, moved on down here to Houston, Texas, right next to my boy Monster. Yes, couple sir. blocks out so we uh we started taking practice to the next level and i was like all right dude listen i'm ready to to do this move down here and uh yeah now we're close we're able to do uh, a lot of business stuff together we went and checked out a venue we teased that on twitter a little bit just trying to take stuff up so yes sir, yeah yes, sir. and uh again guys when when we start thinking about like connor and kind of the role he plays at practice 
Connor has really stepped up over this last year. Um, just a year ago, made less than that, honestly. He didn't even have the skills that he possesses today on producing and literally operating some of the biggest shows and uh, for some of the biggest clients that we have to date. And we're going to talk about a little bit of his journey. Uh, before we get there, though, Connor, when did you start competing competitively? Because there was a point in time when you started uh, doing Fortnite. You were kind of one of the early pioneers, one of the leaders of the administration space in Fortnite. I think that's what really kind of allowed us to become more than, okay, just friends that play games, but now we kind of work together, right? Yeah. So I guess when Fortnite came out late 2017, if I remember correctly. And I would say a little bit after that, uh, it's whenever Ninja announced his Chicago Red Bull series. I believe that was early 2018. So me and my good buddy Albo, who Monster knows he's an editor for Motional. He's a great guy. He, he was going to be my duo partner for it. So we both flew out to Chicago. It was, a 20, it was an overnight event. So we flew out there at like, I think we got there at like 9 p.m. The tournament was from midnight to 6 a.m. Then we had a flight at 8.30 in the morning or something. So we had a, 20, we had a, we had a quick 24-hour turnaround to plan an event. We didn't end up playing well, but that was my first taste of competitive. And ever since then, I loved it. And I, actually, I got hit up by Monster for the summer skirmish when that started kicking around. And we played week five of Summer Skirmish together. We were so close to making money. I went back and looked. I think we were three points off. Um, it, was a, it was a super fun experience, and I just kept playing since then. I went to TwitchCon with Monster. Uh, that was where I made my first money. It was in the Stream Invitational. We, I'm, it, was, it was an incredible experience. And, John, this is – Connor is like – dude, I'll, Connor's like divine. Can I – and let me, let me explain why. This guy has like – I don't know if it's an incredible luck or what, but let me let me just preface this by saying Connor had probably uh, uh, not many pennies in his wallet to go to TwitchCon, right? And he's like, I'm pulling up, right? He, he puts everything on the line to go ahead and make sure he makes it to this event. One I'm thing to step in, I, I wouldn't have been to TwitchCon if it wasn't for you, a viewer you know, Jess17. He paid for my flight to TwitchCon. Without Dang. him, I would not be here. So I like I always say this on stuff like this. Without Jess, I would not. I not, I don't know what would happen because I wouldn't have been at TwitchCon. And it's crazy because that was like one of that's one of my biggest and longtime supporters when I was making content. So like the way all this stuff like intertwines and intermingles and then kickstarts Connor's entire almost existence within the esports space is is, is incredible. Um, because at that same time, I too was making a bet on myself. I was like, I'm going to TwitchCon, and I'm, I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to uh, kiss boots to make sure I could cast an event that weekend, right? Like, I, I literally was not guaranteed to go there, so I was also just putting thousands of dollars to go and take myself. So I pull up. This guy gets a ticket out of nowhere, and I'm like, oh, crap. Yo, Connor's going to be there. Sick. Connor gets the golden ticket, luck of the draw pulling to compete for hundreds of thousands of dollars in front of everyone i get the pleasure of again doubling down on myself going on a whim and then getting uh the opportunity to cast over the very exact games that connor's gonna be playing in too so i was already like holy crap like this weekend is so divine bro like i get to cast over my boy my boy got the golden ticket draw winner of like the tens of thousands of people that bought tickets to twitchcon like this is insane right connor Talk to us about your partner, how that all went, and, and your experience at TwitchCon. Well, for TwitchCon, um, I think you're you're like pushing them together a little bit. The Stream Invitational we played in together. 
that was the year you played in it. And then the year after was in 2019. That's the one you commentated over with where I played with Spades and Lexi. Oh my God. So you're pushing some together. You played in the Stream Invitational, <laughs> but we went out the night before, and you were like, yo, you got to go to bed. You that can't do anything. You were like, I want you to be on your game for tomorrow. So I, I went to bed earlier that night and walked up in there. It was three games. It was like two solos and then one duo. So the format was really weird. It was every game was a different prize pool. So I think the first game, I remember being nervous, but... Like, I was sitting there shaking before the game started, but, like, as soon as I got in the game, I was fully locked in, ready to go. So, for that year, 2018 TwitchCon, I landed. I got, like, in the first game, I got, like, sixth place or something, and that was, like, $15,000 for that first game. And then, to this day, the second game... Yeah, what's up? No, I was going to say, but I'm going to let you finish. Talk talk about your second game. For the second game, this haunts me to this day still. I made an edit on Cypher PK, and that is why I did not place high that game. Because I, I was so confident from game one that I was like, oh my goodness, there's loot right here. I can get this, and I'll be set up for the entire game. I made an edit trying to get make a play, and Cypher got me. And so the second game did not go my way. I think I only got like 800 bucks for like 26th or something. But Dang. 800, though. And John, like, placing high was all you needed, like one game, and you were making crazy money um and, and that's how connor again made those uh, tens of thousands of dollars um i was gonna say what did you do with the money like did that last you throughout the year was that something that, of a point of like holy crap maybe i could really do this competitively like what was it about that TwitchCon? because you said without that moment obviously you wouldn't be where you are what was it about that moment that money that you earned that allowed you to continue your journey well i was i was starting college like immediately after that so I had maybe like a month break before. No, I started college the month before that. And then I flew out to the event. I missed like three days of school for it because I was like, all right, I'm going out here. And I came back and I won. And I was like, this is amazing. So the entire year I lived at college, I was able to live just off that alone. So that really helped me out a ton because I didn't have to worry about anything. I was able to buy food, all that stuff. So that was a that was a like a blessing. I looking back on it. I wish I invested it more because I did not. I just lived off it. Like, knowing about the stock market and stuff now, I wish I did invest, but, hey, you know, it made me live for a year or so, so can't complain. Bro, I mean, even right there, we, we've, we've talked about a lot in the program, but, yeah, so I'm 30, so I'm six years older than you, and I'm like you, but I tried to, when I tried to grind, there was no, I think when I was grinding Halo 3, if you got 8th, if you got top eight, you maybe got $800. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> best eight team, eight team in the world. And I just really, I, I feel like, like people can't give Fortnite enough love for what they did to like make futures like yours happen. You know what I'm saying? Like that's life changing. Yeah. Uh, people don't realize that the amount of impact and, and the ripple effect of those, the tournaments, not, not just the, the big money that was given up, the experiences, right. Um, and, and just really, uh, like Connor said, kind of changing his mentality, even relieving that little bit of pressure so he could pursue school and kind of do things comfortably. Like, and and from then to now is even a big a big gap, a big jump. So much development has happened. Esports is literally backed via scholarships all over the nation now, right? Which obviously wasn't a thing when Fortnite was first giving out those big prizings and stuff like that. So crazy to even think about that because it had Fortnite been. Um, and maybe in the position now, just launching with the uh, ecosystem that exists right now, it'd probably be so much different and th- there'd be tons of more um, opportunities. But either way, uh, maybe who's to say it all it all began and mm-hmm. probably was kickstarted innovative because of Fortnite. 
Uh, so let, let's fast forward, man. You you start you start competing. Obviously, we played a lot. Uh, whenever I needed someone <laughs> good, uh, I, I always counted on Connor. I'm like, hey, man, I got a spot. Come carry me. Connor was always very very good at the game. Um, at some point or another, you've uh, you've even competed and made your way all the way through to the final stages of the highest level of competition. Um, what was that like being at like j- just about the peak of Fortnite? Um, I said this multiple times, but I don't get any other feeling like I did playing a tournament in Endgame like Fortnite. Just the adrenaline and the focus and all factors in an Endgame in Fortnite, like nothing has matched that yet in games I've played. It was so fun. You're playing against the best players in the world. And even being in that lobby is a privilege. You're like 0.01% of like the player base playing in this lobby for all this money. So it was super cool. Um, I, I'm just... I guess blessed that I was able to experience that because a lot of people can never say they experienced that. So and really cool. To, and again, got to compete at the level that you did. You even won a reboot round of that Fortnite. was awesome. First of all, Connor, explain to people what what is a reboot round in Fortnite and why was that awesome? And right, I'm so, sure your adrenaline was probably so peaked. Yeah. So the, that was the first ever time they introduced the reboot round. So basically, out of heats, it was trios. So 32 teams made it out of heats. And they left one spot open. So all like the extras from that didn't make it out of the heats. I think it was like 6th through 12th or whatever the placement was got put into one lobby. And if you won that lobby, you made it to finals. So we're in the lobby. The only way you get in is if you win. Eliminations, nothing. It doesn't matter. So we had to go and win that game. I, I remember I made like one of the best calls because I was, I was an in-game leader for my team. One of the best calls. We made a rotate that... Like, literally saved us this game. If we would have went one other way, it would have been over. We got up on top of a hill, and then I told my teammate Pledge to play heal off and gave him all my heals, and that was it. We won it, and my Twitch... I streamed the whole thing, no delay. So my Twitch chat was booming. Uh, it was it was such a cool experience. And I War stories. War stories. And I got cast over that, too. You, dude, I was like... I couldn't have been more happy just to be like, that's that's my guy. Like, let's go. That's like, so cool. I've, I've really, really almost just been there um, on the sidelines, obviously watching uh, Connor's pro career. But he he put in all the work to to get to those moments to be showcased. Um, uh, talk to us about <laughs> there, your transition. There was a one before that. There was a clip I remember. It was during one of the, one tournament we were running third party. There's a clip from Monster. He was like, "Man, I wish Connor played more because he is the worst of the best players if you put him in a lobby." I was like, "Dang, bro, so this, it's kind of messed up, way, bro." This is the way I looked at it. <laughs> this is like the best way to put it. Con- no, you said it. There, it's the other way around. Connor is one of the best players, right? Like to ever touch Fortnite, but he's the worst of the best players. Like, because someone has to come in 100, right? like, one through 100. He's like down in that bottom. Right? But like, he's at the, the top though, you know? And I, I just didn't know how, like, I didn't know how else to put it. And maybe it's not as elegant uh, of a thing to say, but it's the facts. And I, I had to get it off my chest. Um, and I still believe that to this day. I still think Connor is like one of the best players, but the worst amongst the best. But someone has to be amongst the best. Uh, but he was that good. But I do, I do want people to um, start hearing about your transition. So you go from being a professional player. Obviously, that comes with taxation, burnout, mental stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could, I could probably name off, and you could probably name off a, a bunch of things. But what led you into deciding that you were going to start supporting the practice team? Because a lot of players 
that are in your position don't decide to take that route what was different for you what made you think that i'm gonna do this um and obviously i'm i'm fairly certain you can answer this really quickly you didn't think that was going to turn into a job or anything right no not at all so basically what happened was i got into like the pro discord scene and i don't even know how exactly it happened they just one day needed help i was there I offered my help. I hosted customs because I was one of the few people with a custom code at the time because I got it early from a epic person that we knew at the time. And so I was able to host scrims and customs and I, it just evolved. I started doing more work, started helping out with uh, Zayt and Felix who were admins of Prack at the time. Um, and I just started working my way up and all of a sudden I was like top dog at Prack, like running the entire like tier two scene. Zate and Felix posted on like elite, like the top 100 players. And I focused on like everything below that Prack, all of East opens. And I just started taking that over. Cause I still played the game. I enjoyed it. And I was like, these guys need something to do. They need a place to practice. So I just kind of went over and took that and made it into what it was until I retired doing all that. But I just took over. I, I figured in my head, everyone deserved a chance to scrim and compete. So I wanted everyone to have an open opportunity to be able to play and be able to do it. So I put in the work to make that happen, and it's been successful to this day. So I'm glad even after my departure, and right now we're bringing it back to like the, the good old days. So um, I guess when I made the transition, Prack was already starting to go. I was already starting to do some events with Prack. Like at the very start, Prack, we hosted one tournament. It was with... I remember to this day we did a we did a tournament monster and Shio casted and we did a OBS stream with Nico and he had 50 scenes pushed into OBS Nikolai's computer was dying it was the funniest thing ever because we didn't know what we were doing and it just evolved into the production stuff that we do now um, yeah. I remember my exact moment of retirement too I remember when it hit me before we get there though that, yeah. guys you guys don't understand how <laughs> inefficient we were but also how pivotal that like that entire little era that we had was because this was pre-pandemic we were already again this was my idea i was thinking about hey why can't we just be like super cost effective and host tournaments online but like like really host tournaments online ourselves and again our first solution naturally was yeah let's just onboard 50 streams and let's just make 50 <laughs> accounts and then that comes with you need 50 phone numbers and we try to go to google phone numbers and spoof uh, accounts and it was so bad it was terrible the whole system but again those days we don't take for granted uh looking back at it now it was just so funny like just naive young guys trying to figure out how to turn like this practice thing that we had into maybe something more legitimate possibly into business and that's kind of like what birthed Prac as a more formal institution. Um, and again, just so you guys understand the timeline, Connor was playing in a part of Prac long before I jumped in. I actually joined the practice server team uh, much later. And I did that because I saw that there were, there were holes in how we were getting taken advantage as a community by other sponsors. Mm -hmm. That was really where I wasn't happy as a community leader. And I stepped in. And I was like, nah, man, uh, this is what, this is, what yeah. is, is wrong with the scene. And this is how we're going to do it better. I remember you were like, you messaged me. You were like, dude, we can make this so much better. And then I put in our group chat. I was like, hey, guys, uh, we have a spot. Uh, Monster really wants to get involved. So I brought you in, and then we started building up. For real. And that's, that's really where it kickstarted. And, and, you know, again, it took me 
several weeks, several months, just just looking at what's going on, thinking about what they're doing, kind of understanding the space. And I was like, bro, we got something like incredibly special here, but it's like it's like a it's like a beautiful mess, you know. It was just such a mess. I'm like, we gotta clean this up though. Like starting with the branding down to like what it is that our mission is going to be. Um, but yeah, that that that's a whole different conversation, <laughs> whole discussion. But uh, I, I want to get back back on track. You said something very interesting there. You started jumping in. You were talking about so you take over, you start taking the lead, um, and then at some point you kind of had a small departure from the crack and and everything in general. What was what was that like for you? Uh, I, so I remember it vividly. It was during we. It was our first elite cup with Phase. It was squads, and I remember that's this is. I was playing in it. I was trying to qualify, and it was just like tr- competing in it. And at the time, the servers were not good. It was super laggy, and I just remember thinking, I was like, "Yeah, it's, I, it's just my time. Time to focus f- fully on production." I remember in the middle of the game, boxed up, I started writing my twit longer that I was quitting. Oh so, no! And then uh, since then, I took like the full jump into production, and I was like, "Hey guys, I'm, let's do this." Yeah, yeah, very sick. Um, and the and twit just, longer. Uh, little... <laughs> Literally, hey, hey, man, yeah. had to had to get the twit longer. Yes, going. sir. Um, Connor, Connor was uh, he was a part of the team. He basically took a took a break when we were doing the competitive stuff to like when we were doing the production stuff to get back into competitive. And then again, along that transition, he ended up saying, "No, I'm done with that," and then came back on the backside and that's where he really became uh, more of a, a producer role here um crazy story connor we love to hear it john i mean you you, you got to kind of really relate i saw you lit up man whenever he talks about just competing as, as a pro player and i mean i miss memories i miss it so much i'm always the old man on on the podcast talking about the glory days but i'm just like <laughs> like man just even reminiscing like so when the first modern warfare came out me and my high school friends billy cody chris they were also my competitive halo team we all lived in the same area, Kissimmee. Shout out the 407. Shout out the Loop. Shout yeah, out OBT. Uh, shout out Point Sienna. Um, and um, like, there was no way to network with players across the country, really. And so it's like your actual squad, you know. And uh, anyway, long story short, I remember when the first Modern Warfare came out. Like, we were we were twelfth uh, in the world in game battles for like two weeks, but that meant nothing. <laughs> like, it meant something, but it equated to nothing. And I even remember that first Modern Warfare came out, they didn't even have LAN support. Like, the game itself could not, even when Call of Duty did events, they had to run it. It was just such a weird thing. And so it was giving me all the, all the feels. But then it was also giving me the feels of the first event that I casted, you texted me, uh, Javier. You gave me the opportunity um, and coached me leading up to it. But it was Connor's silky smooth voice behind the scenes holding oh, my that hand. One producing doing everything and i'm like at home trying to figure out my lighting everything knew i had it in me um had has spoken on stage in front of thousands of people before but this was my first time doing this i mean and so it's just i was reminiscing because i'm like man connor's been a part of my journey if connor had not had his journey i wouldn't have had mine the funny thing about that event that was my first ever event, like actually doing the assets and everything. So that was also a first for me. I like fully built the show for the first time ever. I was sitting there. I didn't know what to do. I was just trying to figure it all out when I, what, what I could. So it was a first for both of us there. It didn't lead up. <laughs> Connor's like in the Discord, like going live, like, Monster, I don't know Adobe Premiere. What, what am I going to do with this? I'm like, I don't know, dude. Unpack it. Start looking at <laughs> like, Come on, start thinking about all the stuff that, that we had to do leading up to it. Um, Connor had to step up to the plate 
at some point or another, uh, Nikolai, the producer that kind of started with us, who uh, spearheaded our operations and kind of helped build our remote infrastructure way back when, uh, was offered a, a job that he just couldn't refuse. And I couldn't get yeah, everyone was like, you have to take this dude. You'd, you'd be dumb not to. So, and, and I thought, I thought of Connor as like the first and most like suitable candidate for the jobs. I was like, Connor, let me just explain to you this, the way I see it. You are a professional player. Your brain just works differently. When I'm telling you, you can learn how to press all these switches. Don't be intimidated. This is just a new game, dude. You guys think differently and producing in a live real-time environment. I mean, when that when that when it matters, it's just like performing to me on a competitive stage. And it because the way I see it is just like when I'm casting in the moment, you only get one shot. It's real time. Hit it or it's or it's over. Right. Yeah. So it, there's so many like just like real kind of pressure like pressure makes diamonds type you know analogy that i could like i could put on here but you got it you got to shine when it's your time to shine and uh for production for casting for professional play it's it's about being able to be good when it matters right then and there and i knew connor already had that uh because he's already made money he's earned he's freaking you know was a top tier pro so that's why i was like bro you gotta be the producer of prac like let's do it yeah i got thrown into that thing nikolai left and we had a show like a week and a half later, and like luckily the it was a it was a, so it was a repeat show that we've done multiple times. So the package and everything was made. I just had to like go out and do it. But I remember being so nervous. I have a notepad from like 2020 on my de- desktop still. It says producer notes, what to say to casters. Yo, and print that out and frame lines. that. That's fire. I want that on a hoodie. I want that on a hoodie, bro. That's fire. I, I, like, I like that idea. That could be one of our next prac drops, Connor. Uh, get it. Get a good photo of it. We'll we'll put it up and maybe we could just do uh what uh the to do list and then just put a make a to do list merch drop. bro, and put like a little like description like Connor or I don't know something like timestamp it. It just it fires me up because and especially for our listeners. We all make the mistake of watching people execute thinking that they're perfectly confident or perfectly capable. And I think the reality of life is it really does come down to people who just step up in the moment and they make it happen. And I think a lot of people uh, miss moments because they think they have to be ready instead of just choosing to just go and do it. I'm looking at this thing now because it was on my desktop. So I thought it was longer ago, but it was from October 8th, 2021. And just thinking about that, like that was only a little over a year ago. I have learned so much more since then and developed more since then. It's actually crazy. Like, uh, it's so cool. Listen, in, in retrospect, like of myself and, and, you know, some of my personal skill traits or skill sets, John, I, I genuinely, and I say this all the time when someone like tries to ask me, hey, what do you think makes you successful or like kind of help you get to where you are? You know, like questions like that. I genuinely say, hey, I, yeah, I have some like kind of, you know, skill sets and maybe some of this communication or here and there. I don't, but I don't really excel in a lot of areas. But where I think I do excel in is I'm willing to go do it. I'm willing to try it. I am willing to say like, it's go time, not wait around, not sit around, not, Think about the perfect plan to execute, but I'm ready to always go at any given time and give it a shot. I think that's what I can bring to the table for other people like Connor when it really comes down to pushing other people to execute too, commit to it, right? 
Um, and big shout out to everyone tuning in into the live stream right now. We do these live. We do have a special guest in the chat. My boy, Kurt Ben Kurt, vibing in with us, an NFL professional player, of course, you know, enjoying his holidays right now. We love to see you, my boy. Um, these are the these are the kind of experiences we have here. Maybe one day we could get you up here and we'll talk I'd about love your that. story in gaming and stuff. That'd be so awesome. But um, Connor, you you have you have such a cool story, man. Um, I'm gonna leave I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the fish bait here for the listeners. You listeners are the fish. If you want more, bite the hook. Let us know. Hit us up on socials if you would like us to continue. Maybe more of a deep dive with Connor. And honestly, Connor, I didn't know you were so well spoken. I think you've really you guys <laughs> don't understand. Connor has grown up so much. Look at him now. He knows how to communicate. I think Connor should just be a regular on the podcast personally. But Connor, uh, I have said that before. I don't right? often I don't often have original ideas in a room with Monster, but I that I was like Connor's the boy. It's because we're both Rust players, man. There's something different about Rust players, man. We stick together, bro. We are articulate. Yeah. We've been on Prox voice chat since before all these Call of Duty kids, bro. <laughs> well, listen, uh, part of this podcast is, of course, jumping into the hot stuff that's happening throughout the week. So we, of course, want to start jumping into some of those crazy, sticky topics. And I'm going to jump ahead because we talked a lot about Chapter 4. Um, we saw the Mr. Beast event, million dollars given out. That was crazy. But I want to start jumping into some more of those juicy topics. Let's talk about Nadia yeah. from the Call of Duty community uh, doxing one of her supporters that – or I don't know. Do you want, is this a supporter, John? Is this a hater? Like, like what, what happened here? What do you call someone who gives you money to talk crap about you? How would you define that? <laughs> a big fan is, is the way is what I call them. And I have a lot of them on social media. Uh, so uh, the, the way this all happened. So Nadia ends up having a supporter, a hater, a fan, whatever, uh, a stan, um, come in, give her money, but constantly trash talking her. It got to the boiling point to where she decided to outlash against him and actually give away his personal information. Um, and that led down a crazy rabbit hole. What happens next is Twitch bans Nadia from the platform, not indefinitely or anything like that for a limited amount of time, but she didn't actually sit through her entire suspension. Instead, the good old Twitch favoritism comes into play and she gets an early release from her ban. And John, this sparked controversy. Um, some of our favorite uh, streamers alike, Asmin Gold has some big things to say about that and he comes out against it. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, doxing is one of the most like egregious things you can do on the internet, especially um, in the context of a community feeling like they're defending their creator. You know, like, now, l luckily, fortunately, we haven't heard anything um, happen to this individual. Um, but I honestly, um, Nadia is one of those people where where I do feel like, for whatever reason, does seem to just have navigate ways around a lot of different things that I feel like would, would honestly bench a lot of people. And, I, and I'm not sure why I'm not even sure how to process that as a person. Like, I don't want to persecute her. It just feels obvious. Connor, you was 14 once. Have you ever just considered just like doxing me? Just like, yo, mom, this would be funny. He's streaming. Let me dox him. No, I was normal. <laughs> I, I, I never got that whole like DDoS dox phase. It's just weird to me. Still to yeah. this day, there's people that do it. And I, it's just, I don't understand it or why you would do it. It's, I, don't, I guess they want a reaction out of the streamer, which usually they get, but I don't. Yeah. And, I don't and, approve. 
and you see that that's from like again a, a viewer's perspective we kind of see that all the time and that's more of the the normal way that, that ends up playing out but this time again the foot's on the other shoe the actual streamer does it live yeah. in front of their very influential audience and there's clearly some red tape there that uh had to be addressed um so asmingo kind of opens up this rabbit's hole discussion about favoritism on twitch favoritism amongst especially women on the platform uh, we've kind of seen this a lot throughout the IRL hot subsections and the way bans are never fairly distributed amongst the users on Twitch as a whole. And it's been one of the downsides of Twitch is this uh, lack of clear messaging and clear punishing across the platform. Other streamers have possibly done stuff like this in the past or have been a part of this and have received what could be indefinite bans. Look at Ice Poseidon as an excellent example of someone who, yeah, cultivated a more let's just say maybe a, a controversial and toxic community, right? More of the edgy community. But at the end of the day, he was just making content. And because he was in positions where he was, again, the victim of the doxing or the victim of being targeted by his viewers, he lost his platform in in turn, like amidst all that uh, chaos. So it is, it is very interesting how we continue to see this. And we talk about Twitch a lot here on the platform because this is one of our are you know places that we live this is the leader in the space here as a platform and yeah. for them to not really i guess abide to their rules and and kind of bend the rules all the time definitely leaves a lot of questions in the air yeah and i mean they have a whole i'm looking at the guidelines now a whole section on doxing and to me the biggest thing here is the other thing that's been way too prevalent on on Twitch, which is that doxing leads to swatting. And and that's how it's laid out on the Twitch website. It, it's preventing doxing, comma, swatting, and other IRL harm. And even the way it's laid out on their own website is that the natural outcome of doxing is something like swatting. And we've seen with, with uh, uh, creators like Kai and, and, and Aiden Ross um, and, and creators of all, all, of all sorts, like swatting is so prevalent. I'm, I'm just I just don't see what Twitch stands to gain by by going taking it easy on, on this content creator. I would agree. I would say what the craziest part to me is I feel like swatting has made like a big resurgence. Like I feel like it died down for a bit, but all of a sudden I feel like I'm seeing now Kai Sennett or Aiden, like every other week they're talking about how there's cops at their door. So I think there's been like a major shift in the culture. Cause it, before it used to be like it was a little more common. But now, like, there was a couple years where I feel, feel like it died down, but now it's, like, starting to, like, come up again. And, and let's not forget this streamer, and I, I forget his name right now. I was trying to pull it, but maybe this has sparked your memory. Um, he sent what was called a, a hate raid to Pokimane, and he got permanently Gideon. banned. Yeah, Gideon. Gideon. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Gideon. Don't forget, Gideon is permanently banned from yeah. Twit to this for day. a quote-unquote hate raid to this day, and he's done... Uh, uh, made amends with Pokemon, you know, like really just chalked up. Like, all right, it was for content, yeah, it was stupid. The, the smallest thing, one infraction, perma ban, male streamer taken off the platform, man of of color, right? There's so many things to unpack there, uh, and and reasonings that he believes that he's been targeted against and probably made an example of that we just don't see against you know the females on the platform. Let's just say, and especially you know, uh. You know, again, I'm not going to go all the way down there. I can say a lot of things that I get people upset, but th these are just examples, right, that exist on the platform and things that have not been addressed until uh, this day. Yeah, and, and I think the thing to understand about, you know, Monster and me is, like, we both, like, 
are fathers of daughters. Like, and I think sometimes when you hear uh, a suggestion of favoritism, people automatically take it to the opposite extreme where you're saying, no, they should get worse treatment. I'm like, no, no one's saying that. It's just, it's just, it's just pointing out some, some obvious um, inequality. Um, and I think, honestly, I think we see this a lot in culture. I think Twitch maybe in the behind the scenes, I know all these things are discussed. I know that these are not just like policy, like things that are, are taking place. These are like meetings that are being had. I think they think that they're bringing equality by, by leveraging inequality. And I just think it's a problem in our world where you don't create equality by bringing another extreme of inequality. You create equality by just doing the right thing and addressing the wrong things. The end. And, and I just think, I just, cause I think what happens is people who maybe do not us on this program have an unfavorable view of women. This is, they take this and they go, yeah, see, ah, so it makes guys like us have a harder job, but yeah, it's well, disappointing. Let's, let's, let's take it a step further. Let's take it a step further. Let, let, all right. Put Twitch aside. We got, we put Twitch in a basket. We, we kind of talked about that. What about the, uh, not, not inequality, but uh, the word I know what I want to say, but I don't have the word for this. And it's probably, you guys are probably going to fill in the blanks right now. But what about CEO of G2 Esports, Asla, gets literally canceled, targeted, uh, um, pushed down for hanging out with a controversial figure like Andrew Tate. But then you have Aiden Ross on a Dubai trip with Andrew Tate hanging out. And he does not get that same level of treatment, the same level of backlash response. What about that? uh in my opinion i just think the trend kind of died like i it's, i feel like it's trends with that stuff uh, i feel like his like big hype section of all that i feel like he started to die down a bit so people just don't care as much anymore on to the next trend like elon musk ceo of twitter or not stuff like that i just think it's all trends which is dangerous when when we're talking about values and like character and integrity and a story we'll touch on lightly just to juxtapose these things is what we've seen happen with Rich Campbell recently. So we're not talking about character. We're not talking about this in a vacuum, you guys. These are all correlated. Is when we take things like values and we make them trending, this is a problem. This, we do this to ourselves. We can't be confused why people are one way on camera and one way off camera when we are perp- like we're, we're perpetrating this same culture. And I agree with you 100%, Connor. Um, and... And I don't know, maybe um, uh, at that time, G2 was an easy target. But I'm like, Aiden Ross is also like even more mainstream famous than, yeah. than anyone involved in G2. And they're still correlated. I mean, like LeBron James Jr., like no, like no disrespect to that family, you know, like shout out Bronny, you know, doing the thing in, in sports and in esports. But no one's, wor- it's just so wild to me. I think it has yeah. to do with different communities as well, though. Like, I think Aiden's community is a lot younger, so. Versus the G2 Esports Ocelot? Yeah, they're like, their community is an older generation of people around my age, where I think Aiden Ross's fans are primarily between 14 to 17 or 18. Well, even well, that's fandom. That's very interesting. I feel, like, I feel like you would think it would be the opposite. You would think it's, it's the Gen Z that kind of lead the cancel culture. All the, all the new uh, folks that are embracing the hate. I want to be called this, so you have to call me this now. Like you know, this these people that impose their um, 
perspectives and, and their realities onto you, and all of a sudden you have to be a part of it. I would think it would be a part of the younger community, but could it be? Could it? Could there be something there? Could it really just be we got it all wrong? It's actually the the old generation, the the guys that fell off the bandwagon at some point or another. They they now have a voice to be heard on Twitter, and they are projecting all this negativity. And, and you know what I mean? Could it be that? Well, I don't know there. if it's older. Like I, I mean, I'm 23, so I'm like, I feel like it's around. You see, like the, the, the like 19 to 25 year olds mainly are the ones that are on Twitter preaching stuff like that. I don't think you see many people that are in like their teenage years as prevalent as the people that are like in their early adulthoods. I think it's just, I think it's a classic example of how because of social media and like news, if you can even, if that's even a thing anymore, you know it's all about lumping people into these large groups. And most people are just way more complex than that. You know, like I, I can't, like, I'm just not defined by a political party. I'm just, I, I'm sorry for anyone that disappoints you too, but I'm just a very, I have a very, I, and, and I don't think most people are. And so I think that, and I think this is what older people, I, I do think in general, I think you're right, monster. I think a common trend is older people imposing what they either think younger generation wants or what they think they should want and then calling it the people's voice. But I just think, especially Gen Z, how internet savvy they are, they're just not no punk. They're just not dumb. And I, and I think they're actually getting fed up with people trying to tell them what their, their, their cultural narrative is. And so that's why I think, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's why I think somebody like Andrew Tate is so appealing because he goes so against this like the current wishy-washy like culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, guys, I, we're not bringing these things up to try to push a narrative to you. We are just stating the situations that are unfolding again throughout the week. These are some, these are some heated topics here. These are some big ticket topics. These are uh, topics that, you know, can cause breakups of fandoms to, to different entities and, you know, really draw a line in the sand and create, um, you know, uh, you know, groupings, if you will, you know, to kind of clash against one another. So it's it's just crazy how you can kind of just like bucket all those things together. Uh, the the platform as Twitch and the in the way they kind of handle their policies, but also the viewers and the way they handle their quote unquote policing of the people that they support, um, whether it be via the entitlement or, of course, them just expecting certain levels of expectations from their um, people that, of course that they watch and, and look up to because at the end of the day, they're called influencers for a reason. Right. They quite literally influence people. Yeah. And that's why they bring all the advertiser dollars. Yeah. And I think like, I, I think at the end of the day, I'd, I'd hope anyone would respect what we're trying to model, which is just healthy dialogue, like not yelling, not getting yep. mad. Yep. Like I, I think one of the, the turning points in, in like culture was when people were angry at Colin Kaepernick and they started burning Nike socks and shoes. And I'm right. like, Nothing could, to me, underline um, something non-productive more than that. And I'm just like, you're not going to hurt Nike. You're not making your point. And so I'm like, we don't want to be that. I think we want to model like, hey, even if you are someone listening and you burn your Nike socks, bro, welcome to the program. I just think we just <laughs> want to create a place where we can talk about this stuff, really. Well, let's let's jump into some more uh, just crazy things. Talking yep. about Twitch streamers doing wild things. Off the cuff here, XQC puts a $500,000 bet on France for the World Cup. And, uh, yeah, I think it's Rip safe bro. to say it's, uh, <laughs> it's all gone. Connor, you have a – I hate to say this. Connor has a bad problem with uh, 
betting casinos and things of that like you know we're no no one here is perfect that, that's probably connor's biggest personal flaw if i do say so myself i would agree it's just in the blood can't help it but it's a character I, flaw yeah it's just, it, connor. just how it is but yeah 500k on france to win and that game today might have been the craziest soccer game i've ever watched i haven't watched many but even just looking on Twitter, everyone that is active soccer fans have said that is the craziest game they have seen in a while. And watching it as well, that was that was that was something that you got to if you got to experience it, that was amazing. Yeah, shout out Argentina, man. Uh, shout out to the boy as well, uh, Central Florida native, uh, Hungry Box, uh, who um, was pulling hard for Argentina. Posted like a really, a really, you know, he was he had tears in his eyes, man. It was just like a four second clip of H Box, one of the most savage competitors we've ever seen in video games just getting getting teary-eyed emotional moments and, and talking about the emotion the commentator 59 year old announcer was there and he was almost brought to tears you could hear the emotion in his voice as he screamed go for his yeah. community and it was so powerful it was so special um and that is what competition does to the yep. human body there's just something so special about it watching elite of the elite compete and uh, you can't help but feel invested even like connor said even if you don't really follow the sport um there's just something so admirable that yeah. uh, draws us all in just yeah. watching competition is it like any sport i can watch because i know it's high level competition any finals of any anything it's just it, it, it there's no other feeling than watching high level uh players compete yeah, nothing like it. And nothing, dude, I'm telling you, like, if y'all didn't watch the game, go just Google Messi uh, PK. That was the sexiest thing I think I've ever seen in life. Bro, because everyone's up there tryharding. Like, everyone's, like, stretching. Everyone's, ah, ah. Because, I mean, this is the World Freaking Cup. This man gets up there and, like, kicks the ball like he's, like, in a backyard kickball game. <laughs> and, and, like, a pro. Like, I, I feel like you look at him and that is the epitome Um. In America, soccer doesn't get its due, but we talk about Michael Jordan, we talk about Tom Brady. I'm like, man, I feel like Messi, I don't know much about him, but I've learned a lot in the last few weeks. I feel like he epitomizes goat goat behavior, man, on every and level. P PK, for those of you guys wanted the penalty kick, a big thing in soccer is the penalty kick moment. They are usually the defining moment of the game. It is extremely hard to score on the opposing team, and when you do, more often than not, it's, it goes to a tie, and then it kind of goes to this penalty kick stage where th that's almost a de de the decision maker, if you will, beyond the draws. Uh, shout out to the Argentina goalkeeper, though. The, the stop in the last minutes of the game, <laughs> that, that is going to go down as the greatest save in World Cup history because he, he slid out and hit that ball perfectly. If they score there, it's over. That, 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 that I think is Martinez, if I, I might be wrong, but... That was crazy. Yeah, and so, Messi, Messi officially gets to retire as again gets on another top. championship World Cup under his uh, another ring on the finger, if you will. Yeah, for, for Messi. So XQC puts five hundred k in and lo and and gets five grand back. That's what he got. Oof. That's what he got back. <laughs> what, what would you? Uh, what, what would you? What do you have to say about that, Connor? That's that's a that's a tough loss, man. Uh, I mean, he has enough money to do it, so I mean, good for him. <laughs> But I don't know if you guys saw the videos of the streets of Argentina. It was there was hundreds of thousands of people just in the streets, like the going thing, crazy. Thing about, it was wild. Think about the World Cup for a lot of these, you know, uh, countries. This is this is really all a lot of them have to live for. Like this, like this right here is one of the one of the biggest 
just celebratory events of of you know you only get to a decade right before you move into the next one so they they really 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 take pride and this is why uh football or soccer of course is uh recognized across the world and loved as a sport globally and america's yeah. only just kind of you know getting involved in stuff we got to see a little bit of that uh, in the lead we got dusted got taken out a little early but it's okay yeah let's make it that far well it, uh xqc is not the only uh content creator throwing around big money we just want to take a moment to shout out dr lupo who uh just recently within 24 hours raised uh over a million dollars for saint jude's and this is like man he's getting on close to like he's done this like four five six times and i just think it's just i feel like he is just such a solid under the radar guy and then out of nowhere just boom. And I think it's funny that he did that in the same week that somebody won a million dollars playing in the Mr. Beast thing. I just, <laughs> you got, man, Dr. Lupo, he's a legend, man. He does he's it a, every he, year. Every year raises uh, millions and tens of millions. And one of the cool things, um, before Dr. Lupo actually signed to Twitch, like as a, as a Twitch partner, now, of course, he's on the YouTube platform. But um, I, had, I had the pleasure of really talking about some of the details of his agreement, which was really cool. He gave me that insight super early on. Um, it was back during the World Cup days. He was like, Monster, I'm going to tell you something. You got to keep it a secret. I could talk about it now because it's already long, long gone. But it was really cool for him to open up. And, and he basically laid out his offers to me. He was like, yo, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? He was like, I'm leaning this way, and here's why. One of the components was like, because Twitch is willing to put this money towards these charities that I absolutely believe in, I think I wow. have to go this way. Regardless of how much more personal payment he was going to receive. Like, it's crazy how he, even in that moment, you know, confiding in me was, you know, looking at the sacrifices he was going to make for his his livelihood, his generational wealth versus the impact he wants to make today, right now, and across the world. Um, so shout out to my boy Lupo. I love that dude. He's always supported me. Um, and I've seen his goodness for who he is off camera, like really, really seen it. This dude is peak peak role model yeah. okay we need more lupos they yeah. don't exist <laughs> and and all of this is, is is so interesting all these topics we've covered it just really does show you how like central to culture gaming is I and mean, we're talking about the world cup we're talking about more morality character you know all the, all these things raising money and it's all act, it's centered around video games and i think that's amazing um recently um uh a big thing happened in League of Legends world. Y'all know I love the League of Legends uh, world in the program. Um, I kind of like aged out of uh, playing because um, y'all are just too mean. Uh, but I watch a lot. Um, and two of my favorite players ever um, came back into the game out of retirement. Shout out Bjergsen and Doublelift. And they just joined 100 Thieves. If you're watching, I'm, I'm, I'm rocking uh, one, of the, uh, uh, one of their hoodies. And Doublelift, who is in the North American scene considered the best um, uh, ADC, um, which is like the, the, the main carry offensive position in the game, was just talking about how much money he's losing going from a full-time content creator to competitive play. And I just wanted to know what you guys thought about this. Has this been your experience? What do you think about the fact that somebody's actually losing money being a professional? That just doesn't add up to me. Uh, it makes sense to me. Content creation is king. And the amount of money you can make doing your own individual content and on the multiple platforms you put it out on is absurd if you do it right. Um, orgs only have so much money to give out to players. So there's like a cap on that. Content creation, if you're putting out content and doing it correctly and 
the levels you can bring it up to, there's really not a cap of how much money you can make doing your own thing. And this relates closely to the Fortnite um, Mr. Beast event because a Nas wins a million dollars. True. Someone comments underneath uh, because Vino was congratulating him, but he said, Vino, like, don't you regret not playing harder? Like, you, how many chances are you going to get to win a million dollars in four days? You know what I mean? That was the work prep, it, literally four days to win a million dollars. How many chances are you ever going to get that? Like, literally, laid out in front of you, you have a chance to do it. And Vino says, I don't care about the money. I compete to win. I only care about FNCS championships because I'm a real competitor. Like, that was like one of the coldest things Vino could have said because all he was saying to the other person, and this is probably what Bjergsen feels, and the money is the money is amazing. I know we can make that, but I'm here to compete. And yeah. whatever's, whatever I got to do to be that cold competitor, sometimes, man, that's just, you know, that's the drive. And that Winning was, has no better feeling. So, And that was exactly I mean, I it. That was exactly what Doublelift said is he was describing how in his year and a half off, being a content creator, he said the first year was great. He's like, it's such a good break. And I don't think people, you know, uh, you know, not that any other esport doesn't, but uh, the LCS um, is known for its rigorous practice schedule. Most of the professional players don't even have time or energy to stream. Um, and um, uh, he said, after my first year, content creating is great. He said, but then I started going to events. And he described, and Connor, you alluded to this <laughs> earlier. He said, the first time, the crowd went nuts over a pentakill. He said something, he was like, something in me came alive. And he's like, I need this. And so I do think that's really admirable, you know, even to uh, the point you just made, Monster, that competitors got to compete. Yeah, yeah, that's really it. And and that's one thing that uh, we see a lot in the Fortnite space. We try to push this this thing all the time, especially me. I'm one of the biggest advocates for telling people, build your brand, um, take advantage of it, do this, do that. But at the same time, um, there is that narrative that I totally understand. Some people don't care what I have to say. Not a single drop about brand or anything. They just want to win. And I can't relate to that because I look at things from a little bit of a different perspective. Now that I'm, a, that I'm older, that I, that I, again, have a different view on my position. Um, but where they are right now, the seat that they're sitting in right now, to me, I'm just I'm talking nonsense, and that's okay because if you have that drive to compete, I mean, shoot, you're gonna you're probably gonna win ultimately in the end, anyways. If you if you commit to it, there's no direct, you know, there's no there's no path to success, uh, no same path to success for everybody. So, well, do you guys think this is good advice? Like, do you think that there's correlation? Uh, what I'm about to say, like Adrian Peterson, one of the greatest running backs to play football ever. Um, unfortunately, I mean, like one MVP, whatever, basically has retired from the NFL broke. And so it's like, I don't want that for any players. And Connor made a point earlier talking about some of his initial FNCS uh, winnings and cash cups and all this stuff. And he said, I wish I would have invested it. And I think another investment beyond just like crypto and stocks is investing in some kind of agent and investing in, um, you know, uh, somebody to help run that side of things. Even if that's not your focus now, like take some of your winnings and pay someone to do it for you so that it's there when, when, when you may want it someday. A lot of people don't uh, have the educational uh, or like, uh, I forgot what, what the word is, but like basically the knowledge behind how to keep money, how to make money, how to, you know, again, create more of a generational wealth or just create more longevity with the resources that you have. I mean, myself included, I think, um, you know, I, I'm not, 
I'm not perfect by any means. I grew up with nothing. So as fast as I made it, I could potentially lose it. And I wouldn't know why, because I've known no one in my footsteps that have made it as far as I have been able to make it thus far, right? So I try to invest in things like I want to buy a house and I want to be debt free. And I know if if all else fails, what are my skill sets? What else can I do to continue to just make sure I could do what I need to do to make it in this space? Um, and if football is all you got and then you burn all your money in the process and you didn't think about those other things because you decided not to look that far and you live too much in the moment, well, that's the cars you played on yourself, right? That's what I've been doing right now. Like, I also grew up like little to no money. And now that I started making stuff for myself, like anytime I want something, I just go out and buy it. And my roommate was telling me the other day, he was like, dude, you're like the worst person with money because you just go out and buy everything. And it's like, I don't know. I have money now, so I want to go out and buy stuff for myself. But I know it's not the smartest thing to do. But the in my head, thing. I'm still young. So, you know, maybe get rid of get out, get that out of me now. And then I'll start focusing on it. Well, well I'll, you know, I'll share from my personal story. It's, it's a very real thing. Like, you know, like I'm in that season two of being like, hey, I want to grind. I want to get my money right. I want to pay off debt. You know, I, I have children, too. But I'm trying to. Um, I'm trying to get it all right, you know, but then I'm like, Hey, uh, and I, but I've been trying to really take content creation and just my disciplines and like opportunities, like with prac and everything. Like I've just been trying to be better disciplined about it. And so I, I was like, man, like I want to get, I have an old, I had like my, my phone was crapping out. It's an old phone. I had the mini. I'm like, bro, I'm going to invest into a new phone that I use nine times out of day. And it did give me just a little bit of boost, right? This little bit of like, a, hey, like I can, this this is evidence of my hard work. And I think that's sometimes what we feel because I came from nothing too. My mom and I like, I had one pair of shoes. People made fun of my clothes, you know? So it's it's tough. It's like part of your success should be enjoying it. But if you enjoy it too much, you could you could lose it. It's very interesting. And, and, and not to glorify just growing up with nothing, but some people can relate to this. When you outgrew your shoes, it was time to just take out the soles. And then you had to wear them for another year with no soles. That's how you cheat coded another half a size. Uh, it, it, it's tough for some. But like I said, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, we are where we are today. And we grow older. And uh, the times are changing now more than ever. You can continue to be successful online, right, with little to no formal school training. Uh, you can start to become what this whole new thing is, which is being an influencer. And some of our favorite platforms like Twitter are currently in chaos, in shambles right now. Uh, but, you know, some some embrace the chaos and, and can see the fun and the entertainment in it. I am one of them with Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter. Um, he's continued to implement tons of changes. And now we have um, this crazy new thing happening here where he's deciding that if you're promoting a competitive social platform that maybe, again, falls in line with anything about social media and having a social presence, he's thinking about banning it from Twitter as a whole. And it created this whole controversy. And this is, again, one of many that have uh, that have began to spark in the space. Um, what do we think? And Connor, I'll start with you. What do you think about Twitter and the CEO, Elon Musk, taking over the direction it's headed in? Um, give, give me your takes. Um, so I like what Elon's doing. I like how he's just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing if people like it or not. And it's pretty quick to tell when people don't like things, you just open Twitter and he's usually really quick to go like, all right, we'll change this. We'll do that. So he's taking community feedback. So he's not, 
it's not like he's just doing it and saying like, all right, well, I don't care. I can do whatever I want. He's trying to take in feedback and make changes to make the platform a better place. And I looked into this policy a little bit, not a ton, but I think the main thing about this policy is people that are trying to circumvent paying for paid ad tweets. So people are like putting out links to stuff for to like to their social or anything, but they're bypassing like paying to have your tweet sponsored. So they're just trying to generate more revenue. I could be wrong on that, but I looked into it a little bit. So that 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 was my take on it. So I think it's not a horrible idea if that's the reason they're doing it. And there's a lot of things there, right? There there are other people that are like, hey, Twitter's dying, and then they're hyper promoting these other platforms. And for all we know, it could be like those platforms with bots and inflated views and you know what i mean like literally trying to almost um like like guerrilla warfare you know like really getting in there destroying the platform from the inside out and again this is at a high level so for for all we know we could just be almost we are at this point talking conspiracies but yeah it's true like these things exist like there there are these types of tactics that we see in, in the tech space, especially. Um, so I, I'm also like totally fine with Elon doing what he wants to do. It is literally his platform um, at this point. I am, however, very much wary of the fact that he is all about AI technology. And I read this uh, or watched this video that basically now he has all the information, all the data of users that he needs to amplify his other projects, which is kind of, Kind of scary if you think about it. Neuralink technology, Starlink, kind of. He's got like this crazy, it's not even a monopoly, but it's like this global agenda. Um, and, and I guess that's what it takes to be the richest man in the world. I saw this crazy billion dollar guy. Speaking of Neuralink, I saw some crazy article like that, how they're testing to get like that chip thing in your brain or whatever he wants to do. Yeah. They've like killed like they've killed like 250 animals with their test product so far trying to figure it out. I was like, what is going? What are they trying to put in people's heads? What is what is going on? And this is a perfect example, guys, of where you don't have to be all for or all against a person. You know, obviously, short of like, as I don't, I feel like the things that that you would would make you adamantly opposed to somebody should be pretty obvious. You know, like. They're murdering people, you know, like I don't even want to list it, you know, but like this is a great example, you know, so for me, I would agree with Connor. I am pro what, how he has led Twitter so far. We, are, we live in a world that, that, that uh, apparently wants transparent leaders. And I feel like he's actually one of the only ones who's actually transparent. And, and, and what I also uh, think is I think that the policy overall was a bad policy. They rolled it out poorly, but here's what I love. He tweeted Going forward, there will be a vote for major policy changes. And get this, something you don't hear from leaders or influencers almost ever. My apologies won't happen again. In a world of blame shifting and pointing fingers, this man quickly and personally just like says, hey, it's, it's on me. I, I'm, I'm a fan of it. And I think that um, I think people would do better if they could look at him more objectively instead of with like a... A filter. I think, though, it, it, obviously, there's a level of narcissism that people believe he has about himself. But you kind of need it to be the CEO of all these companies and to literally try to be the best at what you do. And again, if you just look at his history, um, he just he took on the automotive, uh, you know, uh, space right as a man who does that when <laughs> when. If those interviews are crazy because they're talking to him back when he was like nothing, like just starting out a car and battery technology, right? This whole electronic, and and he is straight up outright saying, 
yeah, we are going to be one of the biggest, like, you know, manufacturers in the world. Give us a couple of years. And, like, he literally set out to achieve that. And people laughed at him. And they looked at him like if he was crazy. Like, he was talking nonsense. Um, but I, I say all this to say that I think his, his growth, his transition, I think he's already grown so much since he's become the CEO of Twitter because he's clearly – I think realized how much more influential he, he was already so influential, but now I think he realized he is quite literally now probably the most influential person in the world, not just the richest person in the world, which a lot of the times the richest people in the world aren't again on social media, influencing people like, you know, uh, on a, on a person to consumer level. Um, arguably before Elon, it was probably Joe Rogan, but I think Joe Rogan literally is now uh, he's got his work cut out for him between Joe Rogan and Elon Musk. I think they are the two uh, product to consumer influence uh, influencers of peak influence to 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 live and and walk the earth today. Um, and, so, and, and and I think he's evolved is what I'm saying. Seeing and, him apologize, seeing his his perspective, his angles now, he's almost changed. If you look at the stuff that he was tweeting just a couple weeks ago versus now he's actually becoming more human i think he's realizing oh yeah i really do have to think about what i'm saying the memes are great but i gotta do it with purpose and, and i think i i agree with you maybe i wonder i i'd have to read on it i wonder if there's another term i wonder if there is a health a question i would ask is are there healthy components to what we call narcissism are there healthy aspects of self-confidence because bro watch the last dance with michael jordan <laughs> the dude <laughs> Oh my, I'm watching this. My sister, my sister uh, was at the house and we were watching this cooking show. She's, she's into that. She's in the restaurant business. It's called Lost Kitchen. It's this woman who like moved back to her old hometown in Maine. It's in the middle of nowhere, Maine. She bought out a mill and she said, I'm only going to let a select amount of people come here and I'm going to charge them $200 a person. The only way you can get into her restaurant is, is you have to mail a postcard to their restaurant and she chooses you. And then you find out with like a week or two weeks notice, then you have to fly. When you watch her behind the scenes with her kitchen staff, she's not like mean, but you can tell she thinks she's the smartest person in the room and she knows what she wants. And while on one hand you can hate her, bro, people are, her restaurant sold out for like five years. So like, what, what do we want, bro? It's like, I, like, <laughs> I mean, touching on a thing you said earlier about how he's being like transparent on Twitter and all that. I don't know if any of you have looked into like the whole Twitter files thing, but some of the stuff in all of those threads, I've read them all are crazy. There's like stuff with the FBI and cover-ups and it, it is a whole rabbit hole to go down. We are not going to get into it, but just transparency wise, actually posting those, that stuff to the public is insane. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, there's a lot going on there. And like we said before, hater love Elon Musk and what he's doing on social media. It, it's, it's keeping us all entertained. Me, uh, absolutely included. Um, I love to watch it from the sidelines. I know it can be detrimental to my work and my business, but I don't care. Uh, I hate the internet anyways. I, I do this for fun. So, you know, let Elon burn it all to the ground. It is what it is. We'll figure it out somewhere down the road. But um, at the end of the day, I, I mean, I'm peak entertainment, man. This guy, this guy's crazy, dude. Well, and if anyone's watching uh, live right now, there is a poll up right now from the man himself with nine hours left on it. Saying, should I step down as head of Twitter? I will abide by the results of this poll. So, I think if there's way more yeses, by the way. Yeah. So, hey, when you're listening back to the audio version of this, you go go see how the poll turned out because, man, that is entertaining as crap. And we'll see yeah, what he does maybe, with it. Maybe the next time you tune into uh, 
the, the, the by the time you listen to this episode, he may no longer be CEO. And we'll see we'll see what uh what Twitter's looking like. Seven point five million votes right now. Incredible. Bro, Incredible. how 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 wild would it be if more people vote on this than they did in the presidential election? It probably will. That's crazy. <laughs> That's will. crazy. Oh man. Well, with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. You guys got to learn a little bit about Connor, our history, his history as a competitor, and of course what he's doing today for the practice server team and the fam alike. Um, of course, John Rush returning here to uh, keep us all uh, all on schedule, on track, doing what we do. Um, with that, let, let's start. Let's start hitting a nice little closeout here. I think we hit a, a roughly maybe an hour plus episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. It was it was awesome. This was very fun. Uh, John, let the people at home know where they can find you, my boy. Yeah, hit me up on Twitter if it's still a thing in two days. On, uh, John W. Key Rush, J-O-N. And then I got an Instagram and TikTok at John W. Rush. And yes, the W stands for winner. Hey, okay. And Connor, let the, let the folks at home know where they can find you, my boy. Uh, yeah, same. Twitter, Connor, EO underscore, uh, if it's a thing. I'm hoping Elon said he's going to unsuspend some accounts, so hoping I can get rid of this underscore soon. So that would be great. <laughs> But uh, yeah, this was a fun episode. Let us know if you guys want me to come back. We got a, I got a we long do. story to tell. So we do. <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't package it all in one episode. We had so much to talk about today. So I really wanted to make sure we uh, we definitely unpacked a little bit about Connor. Um, and and hopefully you guys got to know a little bit more about him. And then of course all the topics we <laughs> we had to cover here. Uh, hopefully we weed that together elegantly for y'all listeners. There was a lot there. But uh, with that, guys, don't forget to send all your complaints to me at the Fortnite Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, your boy Monster D-Face is in the building, in the flesh, week to week, all right? This is the last episode of the year. We will see you for the return episode leaning into 2023, where we are working on so many things from the practice server side. We are genuinely so excited for what's to come in the new year. Um, every year, for the last couple of years, we've continued to scale up, widen the team, pick up more experience and expertise in different fields. And next year, we are really going to be able to continue to deliver on those things. And I promise you, we have some awesome things that are coming to you. Practice taken over. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So with that, guys, I'm getting out of here. Don't forget to dance out those kills and boast in those victory royales. Peace, fam.